Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to 12 Days Pod. I'm Kara Zalaya, and I'm joined here with my co-host, partner, fiance, and the John to my candy, Dan Takaki. Wow, the John to your candy. Yes. Fascinating. I know. If you're new here, this is our holiday season podcast. One that is so seasonal that it is only relevant for 12 weeks of the year, which is how long Christmas is meant to be celebrated. Oh, you betcha. (laughs) We love Christmas and we love Christmas movies. So we're here to talk about some of our favorites and some of our not so favorites for no reason other than to have a good time. So let's get into it. Dearest Dan, what are we watching this week? This week, we're taking a look back at a highly requested Thanksgiving movie. That's right. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. yeah. Classic Thanksgiving. Classic. One of, the, one of the primary Thanksgiving movies, I think. I think it's the only one. One of the few. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've seen this movie a bunch. It's kind of a staple in my house around Thanksgiving, as I am from the Midwest. Yes. And You're I, from the Midwest? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've always been a fan of this movie. What about you? I think this is one of those movies that you've you've never really sat down to watch it, but you generally knew what it was, right? Yeah, so that jumps into our pre-movie thoughts where I nailed it. Like, I knew that it was Steve Martin and John Candy through a series of events trying to journey on back home. Yeah. And I even knew, like, the ending uh, to an extent. Right. This is a movie that I feel like was on in the background as something that would play on television. And I have definitely been to a few Friendsgivings where it was played in the background or we sat down and watched it and I mostly scrolled through my phone. (laughs) Sure. Like like our viewing of this movie for me. (laughs) I paid close attention to this viewing. So I it was one of those things that like subconsciously I had seen, Mm -hmm. but Consciously, I had not. Yeah. So given that we both had a very strong understanding of what this movie was, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks at home who maybe haven't seen this movie or haven't seen it in a long time what Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was all about. All right. So Steve Martin and John Candy take a plane. Mm. Then they take a train. Wow. Then they take an automobile Ooh. from New York to Chicago. An automobile. <laughs> More like an on-fire set of wheels am i right <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice. oh yeah <laughs> to get into it in more detail steve martin plays a businessman named neil page who's from chicago mm. and he's trying to get home from new york city for thanksgiving mm. he's just in manhattan for like a business meeting the week of thanksgiving pretty early on he runs into john candy's character named del griffith who is a shower ring salesman And these two end up journeying back to Chicago together, Mm. you know, throughout various hiccups along the way. The main deal here is that Steve Martin plays an uptight character who's not really a people person, doesn't like John Candy's character. John Candy's more of like a relaxed, go with the flow, extremely talkative type. I'll talk about this a little in my notes. I feel like these two actors tend to play that type of role. John Candy always is kind of like the funny man, like goofball, and Steve Martin is typically more of the straight man. I think they struggled to find that balance with each other in this movie. Wow, hot take right away. I know, we're coming in hot. I like this movie a lot, so like, I'm not that critical of it. It's just I have we have to have something to talk about. <laughs> so starting out with the first part of this movie, The Planes. Hey! Stewardess lady, when 
when's this plane gonna take off? So, Neil starts the movie trying to get from Manhattan to one of the New York City airports at rush hours two days before Thanksgiving. Yeah, except that it's Newark. He does end up kind of flying out of Newark, I think, and he's trying to just hail a cab in the middle of Midtown at rush hour. Idiot. Idiot. Um, And he's trying to catch a cab, and there's a scene where he has to race who I'll say is just actual actor Kevin Bacon. Yeah. These two race for a cab, and he ends up tripping over Dell's luggage on the street. Mm. And then eventually Dell ends up taking his cab as well. So at the airport, the two meet and realize they're sitting next to each other on the same flight. And at this point, they've been chatting a little bit, but Dell is just talking his ear off, and Neil wants nothing to do with him. And mid-flight, because of a snowstorm and a bunch of delays, they end up having to land in Wichita, Kansas, which confused me, because why would... Isn't that a huge overshot? Yeah. Like, I would assume they would land closer from where they are, like Cleveland or something, or like... Maybe it was one of those, like, snow thunderbomb things. Maybe. Famously, I don't understand weather, and I've been complaining for the past two weeks about how cold it is, despite it being just 40 degrees. I don't know. It's mid-November, so I assume it'll be about <laughs> the temperature. We live in Virginia. It's... it's too cold for Virginia. Too I... soon. This is January weather. I think we're more north than you think we are. I know where Virginia is. I know, but like, I think in your mind, because this is technically the south, that means we're in the... We are in the south. No, no, no. I understand, but we're not like... Georgia South, climate-wise, weather-wise. <laughs> so they have to figure out how to get home from Wichita, Kansas, and none of, the, none of the planes are flying into Chicago, and they're all overbooked. So they end up having to stay the night in Wichita, where they share a room and a bed at a pretty janky motel. And this is where they have their first blow-up of many blow-ups in the mm-hmm. movie. Steve Martin just fully rips into John Candy's character for being a mess and too chatty and... John Candy's like, well, you're not a good person. (laughs) And Steve Martin's like, shit, you got me. (laughs) And then they, you know, they keep coming back to each other one way or the other. Also that night, they get robbed and are left with no cash. Also, there's no follow-up or concern on that. Like, they get robbed and no one, like, reports it to anybody. What are they going to do? They're at a weird motel. Call the police. But, like... It, okay. It's the 80s. Yeah. What are the... Pol- they're not trying to wait around for the police, though. Like, they're trying to leave. I guess. Like, I don't know. It seems... That seems to me like... Oh, well, guess they stole our wallet. Well, they still had credit cards at this point. You know, I don't know. In the Also, was this a common practice that people just broke into people's hotels? Like, we're all supposed to just buy this. I have to imagine this was something that could easily happen. I suppose. Carry on. So, moving on to the trains, <laughs> the next... Hey! Choo-choo! Wait up! One of your weaker transitions. <laughs> the next day, they get driven in the back of a pickup truck to a train station where they finally are able to get to a train station, only for the train to break down as they get to Jefferson City, Missouri. So... They got a little bit farther north, but not much farther. Ah. And this is where they have to catch a bus to St. Louis. Eventually, they split up and go their separate ways after Steve Martin is, like, trying to get rid of John Candy, basically being like, oh, you know, it's harder to travel as a pair. And, uh... I hate you. I hate you. And so John Candy takes the hint, and they split off on their own. Sure. 
I would say the majority of this movie is automobiles. Yeah, that's know? correct. And like at least the second half is all automobile, including buses and various cars. Burp, burp. That's my car. <laughs> what is this motorboat car noise you're making? It's not a motorboat, it's a car. What cars sound like that? <laughs> Dan did throw me the keys today before we went on our annual cookie crawl. And I don't drive. I'm a passenger princess. This is a known fact about me. I can, right. but I don't. And I took Dan up on it and I got into the driver's seat and I turned to him and I asked him, which one is the brake? And I immediately was like, nope, we're, this bit's dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling that I am the chicken in this game of chicken. <laughs> And uh, I will be driving. Thank I you. Really, I really was going to do it. And the thing is, she guessed, and she guessed wrong. <laughs> She's like, the big one is go, right? And I said, no. <laughs> the big one is break. I haven't driven since summer of 2020. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Mm. So after they split off, Neil tries to get a flight, but he can't. And so he tries to rent a car at the St. Louis airport, but... Mm. He gets dropped off in the parking lot by just like the shuttle bus and his car isn't there. The oh, li- no. He was supposed to get a car in a specific spot and it wasn't there. And so instead of waiting for the bus to just circle back around, he, I, you know, he did make such a huff about this, but if he waited probably like 10 minutes, it would have been fine. So he walks. He doesn't a- have the best temper. No, not at all. He's very frustrated. Yeah. So he walks across the highway and somehow the tarmac, he ends up... This is like clear, I mean, obviously this is an 80s movie, but the way that people could just walk around airports before, shocking. Yeah, I I don't understand it. And so he walks across the tarmac to get back to the rental car kiosk where he cusses out the woman from behind the rental car desk Mm -hmm. to try and get a car and it doesn't work. He just says fuck a bunch. And I have a fun fact about that. Okay. Because it's confusing. It comes out of nowhere, it feels like. Yeah, it does kind of come out of nowhere. So then he tries to go out to, like, the taxi stand and ask the taxi person to drive him to Chicago. And, you know, he's being snippy with the taxi driver, man. And the taxi driver punches him in the face and knocks him into the street. And he almost gets hit by a car. And who's driving the car? Dell. Of course. Classic. And John Candy's like, boy, am I lucky to see you. Hop on in. I got a car. And we later find out that uh, Del Griffith was able to rent a car with Neil's credit card because he had accidentally taken it or gotten swapped. On their drive back at some point, Del almost gets into a car accident and spins the car around on the highway. And as they're driving, they're going the wrong way on this one-way road on the highway. It's also freezing and icy and terrible. Yeah. It's a it's a Midwestern nightmare. Right. As they're driving, a couple in another car tries to warn them, and they're like, these guys are idiots. And then they see two semi-trucks barreling towards them. And in classic John Hughes fashion, <laughs> these two get sandwiched between the two semi-trucks. Sparks fly everywhere. You see their skeletons at one point? Yeah. I have a question. Wasn't the opening of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation also something with trucks? Yeah, so in the in the opening of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, there is a scene where they're driving on the highway and uh, Chevy Chase is driving the car and he ends up driving under a semi-truck. Yeah. And just like is like stuck under the trailer of the semi-truck. Right. And that's another thing that happens with trucks in that movie. <laughs> 
And so after they get out alive from this truck truck debacle, their luggage has flown out onto the road. And so they get out of the car to try and go get the luggage, gather it off the highway. And as they're walking away, the car catches on fire from like a cigarette in the back seat. <laughs> and the entire inside of the car burns up, including Steve Martin's wallet with all of his credit cards and mm. information. So bad times not great but they do have a moment where they just kind of start laughing hysterically and i just because they're so ridiculous they've both fully lost it at this point right and so they they end up driving this car somehow to a motel where neil has to give up his watch in order to get a room for himself and initially john candy's character is just out in the cold because he can't he can't get a room but Neil invites him into his room to stay with him and the two start to bond while they're drinking and snacking in the ho- in the motel room and they just are talking and you know they're starting you can see that they're like after this horribly traumatic experience have formed a bond together. Right. And in the morning John Candy gets them a ride the rest of the way to the city in the back of a truck and when they get to the L station in Chicago and depart uh, Steve Martin's like ready to go home to go see his family and while he's on his way home he realizes that Dell has been kind of hinting at how he doesn't really have anywhere to go you know he's mentioned a wife but he hasn't really said where he lives he's also said he's mostly been on the road yeah Neil goes back to the station that they were at and he finds Dell sitting alone in the train station and this is when Dell tells him that his wife died eight years ago and he's just been on the road since then yeah and so Neil brings him home for Thanksgiving and the two make it there just in time for dinner and he introduces him to his family and all is well the movie ends well everyone's happy to see him and happy that he's home and that's that's the end of the movie also important to note that Steve Martin, it seems like there's trouble at home. They never like delve into it a lot, but it seems like they are, him and his wife are distant and through all this ordeal, he's just not able to get in touch with her. Yeah. Through no fault of either of them. It's, it's just, just the 80s. The 80s, yeah. And John Candy's emotional vulnerability and love for his wife is sort of a guiding light for Steve Martin, Mm -hmm. which is very sweet. And I think one of the stronger points of the movie. Yeah. With all that said, do you want to just jump into some notes that you had on this? Yeah. Thoughts? Absolutely. What do you, what do you, what do you feel about this? Okay. I love John Candy. I love Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like I'm hedging my bets and being like, I don't like this movie. And that is not it. I like this movie a lot. I think this movie is very good. I think this movie is very sweet. I love John Hughes. We have joked that uh, 12 Days Pod is executive produced by Chris Columbus, who had nothing to do with this movie, but the second executive producer would be John Hughes. Right, for sure. They own Christmas, and we just have to know that. Yeah. This is, again, another scenario where, one, I don't understand Midwest culture, Mm -hmm. and two... I saw this movie too late in life and it is too many people's like favorite Thanksgiving movie. And so it was a little overhyped for me personally. Yeah. I will also talk about some of the notes that I had and some of the thoughts that I had when I get into my fun facts section, because there is an element of you feel that John Candy and Steve Martin's characters have a lot of depth and go through a lot of things together Mm -hmm. more than what you see on screen. Yeah. And so it is not a long movie. It is a 90 minute movie, which is great, but it feels like there are 
few scenes and they run a little long. And so I don't know if that relationship is as earned. It's also the situation where it's like an 80s movie. So of course, like something dramatic happens and then like a synth starts playing. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I got it, guys. I get that Steve Martin's character is developing and growing here, right? Nothing tells a story like a synth. You know, say that regarding Carly Rae Jepsen. I I will. (laughs) I have. I do love A Widower. I think that it is one of the most compelling arcs for men in film, especially of this era when men aren't like super allowed to have emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think it works pretty much always. And I'm just such a fan of both of these actors. As we've talked about, I think several times on the pod, Steve Martin is a staple of both of our childhoods, yeah. but also is so good in Only Murders in the Building. She's such a good show. <laughs> Cannot underline that enough. Those are my notes. I don't want to come down too hard on this movie. I don't really have anything that I'd change. I feel like I, I, they have chemistry. I feel like it works a lot of the time, but I do feel like maybe I'm just not the audience. You know, I'm not like a... 40-year-old dad in the 80s. I get yeah, That is true. You are not a 40-year-old dad in the 80s. Not yet. How about you? What are your notes for this movie? Uh, I like this movie. I It's not the best movie or my favorite movie or my favorite performances by either of these actors, but yeah. I like it. I you mean, know? it's got really good reviews, by the way, which I was actually kind of shocked by. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... I, I don't have any faults, like, with yeah. it, like, on any... On any scale of any kind you know like it's 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 a solid movie Mm -hmm. like it's a solid comedy movie i think it's funny and i and i like i mentioned before i think john candy is almost a little too goofy in this and steve martin is a little too straight laced oh so it creates almost too much of a of a contrast yeah like there's there's too much friction for them to just all of a sudden have a scene where they're laughing together and then become really good friends. Right. You know, so there's there's some, like, dissonance that doesn't really hit for me, I think. Yeah. My other note that's, like, a highlight about this movie that I like, the best scene of the movie is near the end of the movie when they're in the hotel, the hotel room just chatting with each other. Yeah. And they're just, like, talking, and, like, you can tell that the two actors have chemistry. Yeah. And, like, it would be so easy for those two to just, like, be in a room talking for 90 minutes and that would be the movie and that would be also very entertaining. Correct. But I think overall, I really like this movie and it's one that I'll frequent, frequently watch again yeah. in my life. It's it's just there. <laughs> it's just there and it's good. But I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't like thinking about this too much, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is one of those things that's just such a staple of life that's like, I don't want to critically analyze planes, trains, and automobiles, you know? Yeah. There's not, there's not like, there's not a ton of substance to critically think about. It's also just John Candy and Steve Martin for 90% of the movie. So you can't be mad at that, you know? It is a winning combo. There are cameos from other John Hughes film characters. Yeah, the whole John Hughes cinematic universe is a whole other thing. Yeah, but like, maybe you'll get into that. Maybe you won't. It's (laughs) totally fine if you don't. But yeah, that's those are my thoughts. I, I like this movie a lot. And I don't think it'll surprise anyone that I like this movie a lot. That's it. Why don't you go ahead and tell us some fun facts about this movie? Absolutely. So, the film was inspired by a true story. Oh. A 
true story. Wow, facts, journalism. Before he became a beloved screenwriter and director, John Hughes was an ad man working as a copywriter in Chicago, which is obviously very parallel to what Neil's situation is in this movie. As a copywriter, he had to make a presentation in New York City at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday with plans to head back home to Chicago on a 5 p.m. flight. Idiot. His personal misadventures helped inspire Neil Page's unfortunate holiday travel plans, and apparently the spark of inspiration burned so brightly that Hughes wrote the screenplay in three days. Wow. So not only did he write the screenplay in three days, the original cut is almost four hours long. Wow. Of this movie. So it was filmed, and they had four... Like, the original cut was four hours. That's crazy, because it's like a third of that. Yeah. Hugh's whirlwind writing time is made all the more impressive with the knowledge that the screenplay was over 145 pages long. Yikes. Or at least it was by the time that it hit Steve Martin's desk. Martin, who was also a prolific screenwriter, thought that 145 pages was a little too long for a comedy. And when he first signed on to the project, he asked Hughes which scenes he thought would be cut from the script. And Hughes was like, uh, none. Oh my God. And he ended up shooting, John Hughes that is, 600,000 feet of film, which is almost twice the industry average. That's wild. For just this movie. Just this movie. That's great. And so that brings me to my note where it feels like you get the sense that there is more there there for these characters. And uh-huh. it's like, yeah, there literally was. <laughs> yeah. I would be I would be fascinated, not to like watch that, but just like to to read the screenplay. Yeah, I bet we could find it. Or like the long version of it. Yeah. So the fuck bomb tirade that happens between Steve Martin and Edie McClurg, who is also the secretary to the principal in ferris bueller's day off yeah but this is this is during the um rental car scene yes there's like a a pretty famous like they just start cursing scene and i know a lot about ratings and my first thought was isn't this a family movie if you drop that many f-bombs you're gonna get an r rating which it did this movie is r rated because of the fact that steve martin said fuck so many times that's so funny why is that (laughs) i didn't realize this was an r-rated movie yeah yeah if you say fuck like more than like a couple i don't think you can say fuck more than like two or three times i think it's two yeah like typical standard yeah well that's funny i i've seen this movie like on tv before so i wonder if they either just cut that scene or just have him baloney (laughs) no i was just gonna say bleeped out for like half of that yeah yeah i don't know So, originally, John Hughes wanted two actors to play the Steve Martin and, like, the same roles. Yeah. He had two other actors in mind. Oh? Pretty high-profile actors. Think the 80s. Who do you think the original... Who he had originally intended these parts for? Yes. Oh, God. I'm sure one of them was, like, Chevy Chase. Good guess. 80s. 80s. Who was big in the 80s? I mean, what Eddie Murphy? <laughs> All right, so Eddie Murphy. And, Eddie Murphy and Chevy Chase. You know, I don't know. Not bad guesses. Tom Hanks and John Travolta. Oh. Almost had the leading roles. Weird. John Hughes originally wanted high-strung marketing executive Neil Page to be played by Tom Hanks, with bumbling shower curtain ring salesman Del Griffith being played by John Travolta. However, Hanks was busy working on Big, 
And the production. Have you ever seen Big? Oh yeah, I've seen Big a lot, several times. We don't, I love. We Big. don't talk about enough how weird that story is. Yeah. <laughs> How, how very strange that story is. <laughs> it's so good. We should get one of those um, machines, fortune-telling machines for our wedding. The original 13 going on 30. It, say that. <laughs> Again, I did. I did say that. But that's so weird. John Travolta and Tom Hanks. Yeah. The production company didn't want to give the role to John Travolta because <laughs> he had been in a bunch of really bad movies in the years prior sure. to this. Sure. So Ghostbusters, Rick Moranis was also considered for Neil. And, I can see that. And I think this would have been good. John Goodman was considered for Dell. Yeah. And then the two of them ended up starring in the Flintstones. Yeah. Another thing that would have completely changed this movie is that even John Hughes almost didn't direct this movie. Huh. Originally, Hughes had passed the script off to a friend and frequent collaborator, Howard Deutsch, who directed Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful. Okay. But then Steve Martin signed on the film, and Hughes was like, yeah, no, I want to direct this movie. <laughs> and then my last fun fact is something that I noticed when watching this movie, uh-huh. which is at the end of the movie, Neil finally arrives back to suburban Chicago to his beautiful home and family. Yeah. The house looks vaguely familiar. Mm, you pointed this out very early on. Yeah, I was like, God, does every house in Chicago look exactly the same? And so... The answer is yes. While it isn't the exact house, Neil's house is in the same neighborhood as the one used in John Hughes' 1990 film, Home Alone. Wow. Yeah, it didn't It didn't look exactly the same, but it, very similar. Yeah. Red brick, bunch of windows, big door, can't lose. <laughs> and that's the end of my fun facts. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba, yeah! <laughs> Okie dokie, folks. As we do every episode, it's time for our definitive ranking of this movie. As is tradition, we base our rankings around the 12 days of Christmas. So, out of 12 days of Christmas, what would you rate planes, trains, and automobiles? I'm not, like, sold on the fact that Thanksgiving needs a movie. Wow. Because I think Thanksgiving is the official eve of Christmas season. And so I think it's okay to start watching Christmas movies on Thanksgiving Day. Okay. That's my take. Well, I think it's okay to start watching them <laughs> mid-October, maybe April, depending on who your audience is. But that's just me and this podcast. And if I think it's okay for you guys to start listening to Christmas podcasts and watching Christmas movies on October 14th and or around that Friday. Or also just listening to it year round. You yeah. Know? Just, yeah. Just Whenever you want to just like binge 39 episodes of, <laughs> of, of a Christmas movie podcast, we now have 39 for you. You can have one every day for 39 days. You'll yeah. never get lonely. You I also get, think you can start yeah. watching Christmas movies... Um, probably a month after you finish recording your Christmas podcast because you're going to get married on New Year's Eve and it's like a whole thing. But, you know, to each their own. I would give this movie Eight Maids of Milking. Eight Maids of Milking? Yeah, I know that's tough and that's like a little low. But... No, I don't think that's... I think that's exactly what I was going to rate it. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that's a fully fair ranking for this you think movie. so? Yeah. Yeah, I just... I, you know, I think it's fine. Yeah, I think that's a great ranking. I think I think anything eight and above is a really good movie for us. Wow. Yeah. I, I just said I've given some of the Christmas princes. <laughs> that's, and that's your fault. That's my cross to carry. Yeah. How about you? Much like I said, I, get, I would give this eight maids a milking. <laughs> wow, much. What part of 
it isn't. Do you want to try that sentence again? No. You said, I, you said, I said exactly what I meant. You said, wow, much. What well, yeah. part of this isn't for you? Yeah. Well, yeah. Much implies that there is some that isn't. <laughs> so eight made some milky. <laughs> I'm giving this eight. I don't think this is either of their best performances, but they're not phoning it in by any means. Sure. It's it's enjoyable to watch. It's quick. I wish there was some more something to it. But, you know, it's it's still got moments of heart. Yeah. It still makes me laugh. And I think the scene when they get pinned between two trucks driving, <laughs> I, thinking about it makes me laugh. I think it's a really funny thing because it's something that... It wouldn't happen to somebody, but like it could, you yeah, know. Yeah. Especially driving on like an icy road, yeah. and and if you don't know which one's the brake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know those classic things you don't know. Oh boy! Thank you so much for listening to our episode. We are only thirty days away from Christmas. That is one calendar month. Wow. And we hope to spread as much Christmas spirit as possible. Also, while you're listening to this, we are in the Midwest. Yeah, it's yeah. true. We're in Chicago. This is coming out right after Thanksgiving, and we're in Chicago. We're eating Culver's. Dan promised me a Midwestern date. I think I've talked about it on the pod already. We're going to go save big money at Menards. Oh, my God. I'm going to show her all of the weird fast food restaurant miniatures. We're going to get some some clothes. We're going to get some cereal. We're going to get some tools. I just need a puffer. Yeah, well, we can get you all sorts of things you need there. <laughs> Wonderful. We can get you paint anything black friday at menards oh god <laughs> join us next week as we watch by popular demand <laughs> the brand new Lindsay lohan netflix holiday rom-com falling for christmas Wow. we are not watching scrooged this year because of this so <laughs> it better be worth it because scrooged looks good <laughs> i guess we'll save that for next year And as we say every episode, Merry Merry Christmas Christmas. and Happy Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. (laughs) Gobble, gobble. gobble. gobble.